Welcome and good morning. It is March 11th, 2023. You are listening to All Out Law. I'm your host, Attorney Kyle Wyatt of Wyatt Law & Associates and Freedom Traffic Law, located at 2847 South Finger Mill Road, Unit C-101, Springfield Mobe, and Monday through Friday, handling all of your family law and traffic law needs. And as we uh, announced a few weeks ago, March is uh, designated for uh, all things uh, local politics. And we had uh, last week, if you recall, we had uh, Landon McCarter. He uh, is running for the SPS school board position, one of two positions available. And we have uh, with us this morning our next guest, uh, a, uh, a city council candidate uh, for Zone 3, uh, David Noakes. David, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Thanks for, for me this morning. coming in. Good grief. Uh, we had you on. Uh, I, I feel like it's, it's probably been almost two years ago. It's been a while. Um, and, uh, and I, and I couldn't believe you, you are running for city council. Uh, what in the world, uh, possessed you to, to feel like, Hey, this is something I should try to do. Well, uh, I want to support, uh, I want to give back to the community. That's truly a police officer you'll find have a heart for public service. So the Springfield community had supported me very well during my 28 year policing career in Springfield. Um, so I just wanted this opportunity to get back with the skills uh, that I learned through that long career of policing. You uh, you, you mentioned that. Well, I want you uh, for those who are not familiar with David Noakes, uh, tell the uh, the listeners a little bit. Uh, what's your what's your history? Where are you from? What what, what kind of work did you do? I'm basically an, uh, I am a native of Missouri, uh, raised on a farm in southwest Missouri, McDonald County. We later moved to Berry County, graduated Cassville High School. Uh, I've been part of the Springfield community, either lived or worked in Springfield for the past, uh, since 1984. Oh, that's, wow. that's a long time. Um, so I know the community well. Uh, graduate of jury, uh, degree in criminal justice, uh, graduate FBI National Academy in Quantico, Virginia. I retired at Springfield PD at the rank of major uh, some time ago, back in 2007. As a police supervisor, ran the airport police department uh, for five years after that. Then I got tired of policing. Then I went into uh, probation and parole, uh, Department of Corrections, another uh, service-oriented job. Oh, wow. Uh, so I did that for seven years. So uh, I have a wide experience in the public safety issues and uh, thorough knowledge. Are you, uh, are, you, are you still working, or are you finally... No, I, fi- I finally, I finally, in December of, uh, well, it's June of 2019, I was doing a part-time gig as a uh, video arraignment uh, court bailiff, and then I finally decided that, well, that they made the new jail, so they didn't have a need for that position anymore. So then I retired, retired. I'm not uh, doing anything now except for going out and reaching out to the people, uh, what kind of, uh, sharing my vision, and wanting uh, to serve the community on city council. That's what I want to do right now. Uh, what, what have you've, you were talking about being in law enforcement for, for, uh, it's been about a long time here, here locally. Uh, what, what challenges have you've, have you, have you noticed that the, the changes, you know, since say 1984 to, to now? Yeah. So when I, when I came on the Springfield police department in 1984, I worked with a call then beat 13. That was basically the Campbell was, uh, uh, the, uh, east boundary of my district my beat i had uh, basically west central neighborhood uh sunshine was my south boundary and uh mount vernon college street was my north boundary so i had that basically a west central neighborhood as my beat 
as far as things changing in that neighborhood, some things have changed and some things have stayed the same uh, in there. I answered a lot of calls in there. It's just interesting. That's the people I'll be representing, and that was my first service as an officer was that. I think the challenges are pretty much the same as they were back then. The culture's changed, but the challenges haven't. The challenges is crime. How do we reduce crime or at least keep a lid on it? I'd like to reduce it. Um, and also uh, homelessness, affordable housing. That's changed up a little bit. That's more increased, but uh, a lot of things have stayed the same. So did we have a lot of, um, you know, as far as uh, the issues that we have today, and we see homeless folks out. I don't think you can drive anywhere here in town and not run across somebody with a sign at the corner of, of some street. Yeah, that's uh, that's another issue, the panhandling. Um, and I don't know if I put panhandlers in the same group as homelessness. Uh, so a lot of times panhandlers, I had an interesting story from an individual that runs a nonprofit. He said, Dave, so I went to work one is a warehouse or a nonprofit. And outside the door was somebody sitting there and they had a sign. It looked like they had been panhandling not too far away. And so I offered them to come in. They had a donut and coffee inside the warehouse. And we started talking to him. He said, hey, can I take you somewhere to some shelter or some resource that can help you? And he said, no, I'd rather not. He said, I, I'll go out there and I'll make, a, I'll make more than enough money, $100, $200 a day. And what I'll do is I'll get a hotel room um, and, had, and spend the night. So... That's a separate issue for being homeless. I wouldn't call that person homeless as far as the uh, sleeping. I mean, he has chosen that lifestyle. Mm. And I don't know if that's it, if it has a mental illness or some uh, a drug addiction. But I think that's something you have to realize that so if sometimes people don't want to change based on if, if they're comfortable. You have recognized uh, some some, I guess, campaign issues that you want to talk about uh, today. Let's talk about those and we'll take our first break. What are the main issues or, or uh, struggles you see uh, is coming up that requires your kind of expertise on a city council? Crime, people feeling safe and being safe in the city, uh, homelessness or affordable housing can be, as been said, that was a, one of the primary fundamental drivers of homelessness is affordable housing. And the third and last issue is the tension between the developers uh, and, the, and the residents in neighborhoods. Okay. We'll tackle those and uh, take your calls. You're welcome to give us a holler at 447-5743. You know, one of the things that I hear most from people in the, in, in the area, and, uh, and we had a, uh, a, a town hall meeting last year, uh, the Queen City Watchdogs um, kind of orchestrated, and they had uh, Sheriff Arnott showed up and, had a couple city council members uh, in attendance, uh, is, is crime. Uh, I think if you ask any uh, person out there, what's the number one job that your your government, your city government uh, should uh, be focusing on, and that's your safety. <clears throat> you know, par parents want to be able to send their kids outside without the, the worry or concern of, of, of some uh, creep trying to take them or uh, having uh, gunfires. I mean, how many, how many gunshots... Or shot up, you know. D. Wampler used to do a, uh, a segment. Uh, Macanobi had a, had, a, had a show uh, an hour uh, before ours, and uh, and every 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 week they they would have a little segment about what gunshots fired in, in, in the city limits, and it's just always fascinating how much uh, how much increase there was, uh, and, and it's just becoming where we're numb to it. Where before 
1984, I'd imagine, David, that, that, that didn't happen very often. But, yeah. but now, I don't think we can go a week without, what, how many, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 gunfires a, a week? Yeah, we always had shots fired call. We call shots fired call, go out and check it out. But the how it's changed in the past, back in the 80s and 90s, probably even early 2000s before I left, we, the officers would go dispatched out to a shots fired call. They wouldn't find anything. So they'd HBO it, handled by officer. But now when they go out to a shots fired call, there's victims. There's dead bodies. That's the difference. And I'm all about reducing, I kind of, I don't like the term gun violence because that takes the the emphasis away from the, the criminals using the gun and puts the emphasis on the gun. Right. I want criminals that illegally use guns held accountable, not the gun. So uh, all your years of experience, I mean, have you been able to identify uh, what the problem is and, and what, as a city council member, can can our local government do to address it? Yeah, I want officers. Here's what an officer. Officers are blue-collar workers. They strap on a badge and about 20 pounds of equipment. They go out and they answer calls for service. They go out in inclement weather. They work traffic accidents, direct traffic. Um, I want them focused on public safety not public relations. I want all distractions removed away from the officer. Officers, if you hear me, if you're listening on this radio station, from David Noakes, you have a green light to arrest anybody you see within the law. Use your discretion. If you have probable cause, reasonable suspicion, I want you to arrest criminals. That's what I want you to do. No other distractions. The problem is, is that them fighting, fighting crime so we don't have enough officers. We're over 40 officers short right now, the SPD. How has that changed? If I can just give a quote from a Fayetteville, Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas has been working on this. They just recently increased their officer starting pay by 13,000. Fayetteville officers now, who have a population of about 95,000 people, they actually uh, they uh, have a starting pay more than Springfield officers do. Here's the deputy police chief, Jamie Fields, had this quote on 5newsonline.com. She says, and this really sums it up, she says, violent crime. The rise in aggression towards officers, social justice reform, negative political rhetoric that makes this job, talking about policing, mm-hmm. not as attractive to new applicants. That's the problem. We need officers to know that Springfield is a good place to work. Right. You're going to have support from your city leadership. I know the community supports their police officers, but city leadership needs to start doing some public support affirmation of their police department. But that's the problem. When you have call stacking, call stacking is when officer, you get calls coming in from the dispatch, mercy communications, and they don't have enough officers to go out and answer calls, so they have to stack them. So you start getting a priority. So if you call in your car getting broke in or a past burglary, you may not, you're not going to get an officer right away because officers are answering violent crime calls are going to that bar fight. They're going to that domestic violence call. That's a higher priority. So it may be hours till you get an officer. That's what call stacking does, and that comes from not having enough officers. Well, you know what's going on, because I hear even on this station, uh, radio ads, advertisements uh, for Springfield Police Department to, to, to get new recruits. Uh, they're, 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 they're actively going out and saying, hey, you know, this is a, a great uh, opportunity job. Get, you know, uh, the academy starting soon. Uh, be part of Springfield Police Department. 
Um, and, and we see that, and it's not just a local issue. This is nationwide. Uh, for for too long, there has been this negative emphasis on police officers. Like somehow, police officers are the bad guys. Uh, you you have a few, you you in any occupation, you're going to have people who don't do their job the right way, uh, who abuse their position. You you can have people who do that on on, on the bench. You can have judges who think they're they're God and, and, and abuse their position. You can have teachers who think they're you know they're God. You can have social workers think they're God and abuse. So you can have that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there has been just this huge shift to to, to be to demonize. I think local law, law enforcement officers. Uh, that's why I got a, a decal in the back of mine. You know, a blue line. I mean, we have to uh, support because I don't know any other occupation where you get up in the morning to go to work and you have to think in the back of your mind, am I going to get come back home to my family? Because you are coming across strangers on a daily basis, whether it's a, a normal traffic stop uh, to, to some other uh, call at a domestic dispute. Uh, and so we have to appreciate our law, law enforcement officers. And I, I do believe that pay, you're going to get uh, something for your money. And if you can't attract the right quality uh, people to the job, we're going to have these kind of problems. And so is is that just one facet if you're on the city council uh, is is to vote for an increase in the pay? No, it's not just one. Money's not everything, right? Money is a, is, is a terrible motivator, I think, in some instances. But we need to show our appreciation to officers with uh, uh, put our money where our mouth is uh, and support them. You mentioned the thin blue line, uh, Kyle, and that's true. Nationwide, they call it a thin blue line because that is the, the officers, police officers rec, uh, resemble that. They are that thin blue line. 0.1% of your population are police in America. That separates the, what, 300 million people that live in the United States. So it's that thin blue line. That's the only thing that keeps our society from going into chaos. Law and order is that thin blue line. And we've been on a crusade against police officers since about, you look at the Michael Brown situation uh, in, uh, where he tried to kill a cop, and that, that officer that was at, at Ferguson, he was found not guilty. He used an appropriate level of force to stop the threat. But we've had a crusade against the police officers since 2015, at least. So we need to turn that tide and start supporting our officer officers. Excuse me, But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crusade against officers for many years. Um, we do need diversity. Here's how I'll apply diversity, equity, inclusion with the police. We need diversity. We need diversity of officers. I don't care what. We always are better when we have different cultures and skin colors or ethnicities on the police department. That's great. We need equity on the police department. Officers, your equity is that anybody that violates a criminal uh, statute, violates the law, they're going to get the equal outcome of everybody else. I don't care what skin color you are, you're going to get arrested and you're going to be put in jail. Uh, the inclusion, everybody's included in officer safety. Um, citizens, we're going to, everybody's included in having their police to ensure that they are safe. Right. Include everybody. But I want officers to know, no distractions, you concentrate on public safety. When, um, when we come back, um, your one of your next emphasis that you talked about uh, is homelessness, and uh, we see that you know business owners. I we've had we've had some call here on the show. Uh, we've had uh, some city council members in the past on, and, and they complain because law enforcement is not doing enough 
to, to, to address these homeless camps or homelessness that are taking place like in their, in their parking lots or in their, uh, under, underneath their yawnings there in their buildings. Um, and, and some of them call it cause damage. I mean, I, I know one time where we had an office there off of sunshine and there'd be human fecal matter outside. Uh, and so that's a, it's a real problem. You, and you find that with, with small businesses and here, here's another thing, you know, city council, one of their, one of their things that they always want to do is, is build more, build more businesses, right. To be, it be an attractive place, uh, for businesses where, where, whether it's, you know, getting a Bucky's, uh, out there on, on the highway, or it's attracting other, 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 uh, types of industries, uh, to this area. Well, you can't really attract a lot of people or, or corporations or companies if we have a homeless problem or, and, and crime problem. Uh, I don't know if you saw in, in the report was done that Walmart has moved out of, and I think it was Portland, mm-hmm. Portland. Uh, Portland, Portland, Oregon. No, you can't go to Walmart. It's not there. <laughs> Why? Well, because the city council there in Portland thought it was much more important to focus on social work and 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 and, and passing out needles to folks than than supporting their law enforcement officers, uh, and so businesses are are packing up and leaving, and we do not want that for our community, uh, and and that's where it's going to go. David, tell me things off the air, just blowing my mind. We'll, we'll get to a few of those things. Uh, but we do not want to go the way of, of some of these other cities, and, and we can see from their mistakes, see what they're doing, and, and, and try to reverse course. Uh, but we'll talk about some of those issues right after the break. You are listening to All That Law. All right, welcome back. You are listening to AOL. We have with us uh, David Noakes. He is running. Uh, for city council zone three and 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 just uh, uh, to remind folks because uh, a lot of people don't know where they're at uh, you know am I uh, what was am I in zone a B what does that mean zone three four uh, there are four zones if I recall in in the Springfield uh, city metropolitan area where is zone three zone three as much things is a little bit complicated uh, but to simply state it it's southwest Springfield uh, then it kind of uh, varies between that. Campbell Street is my is the Zone Three East boundary. Then at Sunshine Street jogs over and hits over to Kimbrew, goes up to Park Central Square. It kind of lines down the line of a Walnut and Elm Street, the National, kind of a straight line that comes back, and then it goes back down through that West Central neighborhood. And Kansas Expressway it runs to about Grand and Southwest. But yeah, as you can tell, it's complicated. No. Zone Three. <laughs> I have to look at a map to explain it. Oh my! Yeah. Uh, and, and so, if you're in that uh, zone, uh, you got to get out. And and I, I tell this to everybody: you really need to uh, educate yourselves before you you go to the ballot. And I, and, and, and here's a, here's a big one: go to the ballot. We know April uh, April fourth, all April elections, uh, they're always just uh, they're, they're they're super low turnout uh, historically. That's just that's just the way they are. And and look, you, you we get exactly what we what we what we what we buy, you know, because when you don't get out and vote, uh, we are stuck with uh, some of the horrible decisions uh, that is that has plagued this area for so long. Uh, whether it is uh, the shutdown of, of businesses that they believe were essential or not essential, whether it's this mandatory masking, uh, and, and, and we still have folks out there that are I. I saw we were, my daughter had a piano recital and they had this little four-year-old girl masked up. I couldn't believe it. And, and no one else was masked up in this room, but this four-year-old girl. And I'm just like, good Lord. 
But we have, and then we have with the school board, uh, the issues that, that we, we face with there. And so if you're not happy with the trajectory of our community, uh, trajectory of our schools, then you have to get out and vote uh, and, and, and definitely educate yourselves on who's on the ballot and, and what do they stand for. Uh, our, our guest here, David Noakes, is a retired uh, law enforcement officer. And so uh, if, if we want someone who's kind of an expert on, on crime and how to deal with crime. Well, I don't know. Let's just pick somebody who actually uh, has lived it for, for a couple decades. Um, and, and so we, we talked about homelessness. Um, and, uh, and we've had uh, people on the show in the past, uh, you know, try to address it because there's, there's a lot of charitable organizations out there uh, that, that try to deal with it. Uh, but from a city standpoint, uh, David, you have you've kind of studied what have other cities done to address their homelessness and how effective uh, that was, and, and, and what's the, the trajectory this city is going. Uh, explain that a little bit. Yeah, the the federal government has endorsed the housing first model, uh, which is that's you got to follow the money. So any any program that a city addresses on uh, to address the homelessness issue, um, to get a federal grant money, they have to use housing first. A uh, housing first model is a model where you, uh, no preconditions that, but if someone's homeless, um, there's different steps in that, but you get them in a house first. So, and I've heard statistics from, I just went to a, a presentation a couple weeks ago uh, from, a, from a man that's an expert in affordable housing and dealing with uh, people that are homeless with, due to disabilities and things like that. But he said that 65 uh, uh Actually, it's coming from another. I've seen too many statistics. But another <laughs> CPO, community, uh, uh, the Community Partnership, the Ozark, did a study many years ago. They said 65% of the of the homelessness issues driven people have a, a mental a mental illness, so they need treatment. So the housing first model would actually give someone a key to the house, and not have a precondition of addressing their mental health issues before they give them a house. Um, that's much like a probation parole officer getting somebody just out of prison and then not enforcing uh, any violations of probation parole set by the court. Uh, it never works. So the housing first model, it, Denver uses that. They use that since 2016. And if anybody recently came from Denver, their housing homeless numbers have increased versus gone down. So housing first model, um, we need to have that in stages. We need to have preconditions. We need to have accountability. I like to use the concept of radical candor where you care personally for people, but you also challenge them directly um, to get it out of that situation. Because what we don't want to do is have a bunch, bunch of folks um, that are not getting treatment and doing something to get out of that situation that they're in. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when a, a, a municipality has a homelessness problem, uh, and, I, and I say every, every, every place probably has homelessness, you know, to some degree or another. But when you have, I mean, Sheriff Arnott, uh, thank God, has, has done a pretty good job of, there was a big camp out there off West Bypass uh, between uh, Sunshine and, and Battlefield Road. Um, and that was, it was causing a problem. I mean, you had homes behind there uh, and, 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 you know, there's needles being left on the grounds and things like that. That has a dramatic effect on property value, I would imagine. Uh, you're not going to get a whole lot for your, your, your home if there's a homelessness problem. Uh, so this not just benefits the community, you know, as far as crime goes, uh, but, uh, you know, also prosperity, I would assume. Yeah, it's one of those uh, 
SGF Ford talks about uh, the, the vision for the next 20 years in Springfield, talks about quality of place. I would say if you have uh, a homelessness problem, panhandlers, that, that, that goes in a negative on quality of place. But yeah, so as far as the sheriff or not, I mean, he's, he's got officers going out. You have citizens that have private property. They're calling law enforcement, say, hey, we have a trespassing situation. Either I've asked him to leave or I'm afraid to go talk to him. Can he get him off my property? As a private property owner, who that's your private property. Law enforcement has to do its job. Right. I understand. I've been an officer for many years. I we always I know in trespassing situations, we always come up and we ask this, say, hey, will you leave the property? Whether it's a business or a private property. And if they did leave, we use discretion, we didn't arrest them. Right. But if they didn't leave, we have we have to make an arrest to get them off the private property. I mean, private property owners have rights. We've kind of forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. I understand within the city, we give them 24-hour notice, we get hold of the nonprofits, and that's another issue. We need to empower the nonprofits and the businesses to come up with solutions. I think a lot of times we have this thing that I will call governmental arrogance. We think the government can fix the problem and has a solution to every problem. Well, that's not true. I think the nonprofits do a tremendous job with the homelessness issue and affordable housing. We need to find ways to empower them more to take the lead on that. What would be wrong about having a nonprofit, especially uh, a lot of the churches in town, they develop a team. We assist them. They can go out and get ahead of this homelessness issue. They can go to a homelessness camp, do a survey and assessment of the people's needs that are homeless because that's unique. There's not one situation, not one factor that causes homelessness. It's wide right. and various. Have these nonprofits empower them to go out and get ahead of this problem so we don't have to send the police out to get people to leave and, and, and to make a rust. I want to empower the nonprofits, non-government agencies, and the businesses to help us with this solution, empower them to come up with it. I don't think throwing money at a problem from the government and taxpayer money is a solution. It hasn't worked in Denver. No. It hasn't worked in Los Angeles. It hasn't worked in Portland. It hasn't worked in San Francisco. So I don't, once again, governmental arrogance. One of the things uh, that you, uh, you, Opened my eyes to uh, government arrogance um, and, and, and looking at what other municipalities and metropolitan areas are doing. There is this push uh, to uh, take away our uh, natural resources, energies that we have, uh, and, and transition to what they call is renewable energy. Uh, great on, on, on paper, in theory. I like the way that sounds. Renewable energy. Uh, Liberon would love that, you know, uh, protect our environment. Um, but we are seeing, whether it's in uh, California, where we're, we're seeing it in uh, Texas. Remember, it was just what last year, wasn't it? Uh, they had that freeze. Uh, and, and many homes went without uh, heat and, and, and water. Uh, is uh, this uh, this idea that somehow solar panels and 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 wind turbines uh, are going to be are are the answer are the future? And you went to a um, what a, a session a seminar here locally about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a city utilities informational uh, informational session uh, with city utilities. And so CU, uh, and you uh, educated me that uh, ultimately they are governed by the city council. 
Yes, right. they they report to the city. They council. report to the city, the city council. The city council reports to the citizens. Sure. Yeah, um, and they have CU has a plan, uh, a vision for the next uh, ten plus years. What is that? Yeah, so uh, renewable energy, which I'm all for renewable energy, if it makes sense as technology develops. But yeah, they have a seventy percent by twenty thirty five. They have a they want to be seventy percent reliable on renewable energy, and. By 2050, they want to have net zero carbon emissions. The the 70 percent reliance on 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 renewable energy. We're, we're talking about 70 percent reliant on let's say solar panels. Right, you get a get a, a cow pasture uh, field, put some solar panels on there. Uh, maybe throw some wind turbines. We're not really. I mean, it's kind of windy today, but that's not that's not a, a big deal here. What what do you got? Oh, no, he's mentioned wind turbines, and all. Then we'll talk about solar panels. But I did ask him because they they have uh, several acres, forty five acres uh, northeast of town on a, a solar panel farm. Um, and I did find out on solar panels, you need forty five acres to do around nine hundred homes. Um, but there, as far as the wind, so I said wind turbines. That's a renewable energy source. I said. Are we going to, because I'm sure residents are going to be worried they're going to have a big wind turbine that they're going to be able to see and outside their uh, porch uh, place that they see. Yeah. He said, no, nope. so we don't do wind turbines because we don't have consistent wind. Mm-hmm. So I can reassure the citizens of Springfield, you will not have a wind turbine. Oh, well, thank God. That, <laughs> that you'll see because we don't have a consistent source of wind. That's Kansas, Oklahoma, right. Texas, um, and those places. But even then... Uh, I, I was I was I was watching and listening uh, to uh, uh, a professor or somebody who was talking about renewable energy, and and, and stating that uh, I think the number was it was like they're thirty percent reliable, meaning that uh, that seventy percent of the time they're they're not going to be reliable and, and they don't store energy. All right, we don't have big batteries out there not storing yet. storing these energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's 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 if, if you're a cloudy day, if it's a stormy day, you're not going to be getting uh, the solar energy that you need. Uh, and, and so they had. We're going to take a break here, but but David, you you said the people there at CU had had a solution to a solution to this problem, and I, you guys have got to. You get to hear this and, and, and make a big see these city council meetings or these these elections matter, they really do. Stay tuned. You you won't believe what you're going to hear. Kyle, you're good. All right, welcome back. You are listening to AOL. We are joined in studio with uh, David Noakes. You'll see his signs outside uh, all over the place. I, that's how I judge how how good a, a campaign's going. It, it may be a, a very crappy way to to uh, to, to, to gauge, uh, but that's what I do, and I, and I see. And then, you know, so far it seems to be working out really well. Uh, you know, I would see uh, all these signs for Eric Burleson when he was running uh, for uh, in the primary, and I was like, "Well, Eric, you got more signs than your opponents. I think you're going to do all right." Uh, and and so uh, signage is always helpful, and, and these. These uh, interviews uh, are, are extremely helpful, I think, for folks because uh, many times, uh, as citizens, uh, we don't get a chance to meet the candidates. 
uh, and and what information we do get are generally filtered through news media or a reporter, and and and, and that could be uh, dependent upon how well that <laughs> news reporter likes you or doesn't like you. Uh, and so uh, I, I think interviews are are, are are vastly important. Social media uh, is also a very good tool. Uh, information, knowledge uh, is 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 a keystone to to a, a very thriving democracy. And, and I think, uh, look, David, uh, what you told me this morning, uh, I, I just feel absolutely ignorant because, I, you know, we're, we're just kind of fat, happy, and, 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 and just, you know, government, leave me alone, and, and I'll leave you alone. But uh, you were talking about CU is, has, this, has this plan, a strategy, to go to uh, renewable energy, 70% of it, uh, by 2034 or whenever, uh, and, and, and so we know, we know this, this is, this is, this is an opine. Uh, this is facts. We, we, we can see in California where they have rolling brownouts. Uh, we see that in all over, uh, where there are, uh, these, these, uh, progressive ideas that, uh, coal is bad, bad coal. Uh, and so we got to get rid of you. You're very reliable. Okay. You're, you're very, you know, we've been relying on for over a century and they've been doing really good. Uh, but no, you're bad, and so we want to go to these these solar panels, and we're going to cover up our fields uh, with it. But in the event, because we know it's going to happen, we can't the the, the 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 politicians can't hide from it now. What is the solution to when there's just not enough sun to 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 take care of that seventy percent? Control on the demand side. Control demand. What is that? Um, it's going to be voluntary. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> So what, if no, yeah, what if nobody wants to volunteer to turn off their lights? Well, you know, you, I remember in the back of my mind, I remember a story, something in the in the news, and I can't remember which news it was, but they had a smart thermostats. And in mm-hmm. some state or some mm-hmm. locality, they turned down the, you've had a smart thermostat, they were able to con- turn down your heat, your electricity or gas, whatever it was you're using to, to your house, lower your temperature. Right. At, so smart thermostats. Is how they do that. So they'll go in and they'll have access. It's all the computerized uh, IT stuff. They can control your thermostat. So um, it's got to be controlled because even they know that renewable energy is not quite there. I'm all about renewable energy. Sure. Don't get me wrong. But also I can use uh, sound reasoning and, and logic. We're not there yet. And the cheapest source of energy we have right now is fossil fuels. That includes natural gas, which is clean. Right. But we want to get away from this. But it's going to be control and demand side. That is scary. When I heard that phrase at that CU informational meeting, I backtracked. I said, wait a minute. So did I just hear you say to control the demand? And the answer was yes. So what that means out there... Uh, is that and we and I think it was it was I want to say it was Denver that I that I, that this happened, and 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 their city utilities company said it was a voluntary uh, program that folks went in, uh, and and they got like a fifty dollar or a hundred dollar rebate to to join this deal, um, and and what happened was is that it got cold, and and these homeowners could not turn up their heat. They had no control over their smart thermostat. You know, I got one in my house, and, 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 it's, and it's nice to be able to, if I'm laying in bed, I have to get up. Yeah. You know, I can just, I can, hey, turn up the heat a little bit or turn it down. Uh, but uh, but these, you're going to trust the government to, to be in, in control of, 
of your your thermostat, or if not just the thermostat, what about your your electricity? In California, what was it? Uh, you know, that's a state that's going uh, towards uh, no uh, fossil fuel vehicles, right? No no gas engines are going to be sold in the, in that state by 2040 or whenever that is. And so, what did they do this past year? If you have a Tesla or you have a electric vehicle, don't charge it for the next two days. <laughs> you remember that they they were they had yeah. they had a supply shortage of energy, and they said, please do not plug in your car. Control demand. Control demand. And and now and that's we we understand that to be true in these in these very liberal progressive areas, these states, Southwest Missouri. That just shocked me, David, when you told me that that the, the, the leaders there at CU, this is their plan. And, and the city council, they're the ones who could, could, could stop it, right? Yeah, so the city council's uh, authority, of course, they get their authority from the citizens once again. But, yeah, they, they have CU has their own board. They have board members at, that plan all this uh, stuff out. But city, uh, city council approves the budget. And city council approves any rate increases that this board, the CU board, comes up with. So we either say yay, city council, thinking right. affirmative here, either say yay or nay on budget and rate increases. So city council, if you guess we control the money. Control can, the purse strings. Yes. And so if you want the money, you're, you're, you're going to change your policy. Uh, we, we, we seen, we've seen that uh, well, with our school board. You know, they, yes. uh, Steve McCaskey and Kelly Byrne, very questionable about what Burl does now. Uh, we, we caught them lying to students. Uh, that, I think that has a direct res- impact on our future contracts. Maybe, maybe, maybe we find a different uh, partnership. And so I think with the city council, if, if, if CU doesn't change their policies or what, I mean, the, the people need to know. I had no idea, David. I had no idea that the plan was, hey, let's shut down our coal plants. And, and we'll just go down to 30% uh, capacity, uh, and, and we'll just go all 70% on this renewable, and we, we know renewable is not reliable. That, that, renewable is not reliable. Yes. It, it, it sounds great. Renewable. It's clean. Yes. I love clean. Give me more clean. But it's not reliable. And, and when, if you have a baby, and, and, and they're, they're on an oxygen machine in their house, and your government is turning off your electricity because you do control demand? Or if you have it a bit, let's just put it at a business level. We need economic prosperity in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So you have a business that gets shut down because they don't have any, uh, they don't have reliable energy. They've lost a lot of money that day, right? Four or five hours. They'll never make up that difference yeah. in a reduction in, in cost or whatever that I guess that would come from a, uh, this more renewable energy. But yeah, it's all looking at it. It makes sense if you look through everything through a lens of green energy. You let that bias influence your decisions on green energy. It's almost like a new religion. Mm-hmm. It so is. So it makes sense in that aspect if you have that bias. Uh, well, yeah. And, and, and they, you know, what was uh, uh, the uh, Homeland Security uh, guy, uh, Majorca, uh, blaming uh, the the border, the crisis in the border was due to global warming, uh, climate change. That's the problem. So look, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on 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 this issue. What you need to ask yourself as a voter is, uh, if you believe in green energy so much, are you willing to turn off the power in your house for a few hours every day, uh, for for days at a time? Uh, are, what sacrifice are you willing to make because? That is, that's going to be the choice, 
is, you know, you can't have, you know, four TVs running. You can't have all the the lights on in the house. Uh, my God, I hope you don't have Christmas lights out on the, on the outside of the house. That's not necessary. That's that's ridiculous. Look at all that energy you're burning. Uh, they're not L- even LEDs. Uh, how much control do you want your government to have on your life? And, and so I think that's what this this this, this election really is going to come down to: is do we want to have safer streets? Yes. Right. You know, uh, not more social workers, but more police officers, because, yes. uh, look, uh, we, we, we've seen it in Minneapolis where, where they where they want to do defund the police. Uh, that's that's a it's a big thing. Uh, we need to support our officers. And if that means to 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 com- compete with other jurisdictions like Fayetteville, mm. uh, that's what that's what we need to do. And I and I think that the citizens really need to get engaged in this is it this we don't need to get engaged every time our, our, our you know we, we see some you know something going on whether it's masking or shutting down or whatever other hot button issue it needs to be across where we need to be engaged on all issues crime is a big one homelessness is a big one and then by god this is my new one don't take away my fuel <laughs> don't do that i want to you, you know what it's like living with a woman they want the place hot <laughs> Trap the heat, but you're not going to have that choice. <laughs> you're not going to have that choice in ten years. It scares me. Uh, a little, little tongue in cheek, but anyway, if those who want to uh, reach out uh, to to meet you or to uh, uh, contribute or to knock on doors, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. Hey, thanks for asking. Uh, it's I do have a website, and then the, you can have my contact information on my website. It's Noakes for Council. That's N O K E S F O R. And council, common spelling, noakesforcouncil.com. Do you have, uh, is there any events coming up in the next few weeks that you're aware of that people can have an opportunity to to meet with you? Yes, I've got three actually coming up. If I I have to look at my calendar, I've started to keep my calendar again. But uh, uh, Ozark Technical College is having a candidate forum, uh, I think, in the next week or so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Get on the website, and I assume you have your events I do have it on the website. No, they they can look at Ozark Technical College. They have a all right. Well, David, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, best of luck, and, and hopefully uh, we get to talk to you after the election. Everybody, enjoy your weekend out there, and as always, stay safe and stay tuned.